You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Thursday, September 1st, 2022, which means UK's football season kicks off in just a couple of days. Saturday night, September 3rd, 7 o'clock, the Kentucky football team will take on the Miami of Ohio Redhawks at Kroger Field. Uh, the TV coverage, what's well, actually streaming coverage. You have to have streaming network coverage. SEC Network Plus and ESPN Plus have the duties for this game on Saturday. And we're going to preview the Kentucky-Miami game. First, I talked with Steve Baker, who is the voice of the Miami Redhawks, about Miami football. A lot of enthusiasm for Miami football coming into this season uh, with their quarterback, uh, Brett Gabbard. And uh, Coach Chuck Martin has done a great job there. A lot of people are picking Miami to to win their division in the Mid-American Conference and advance to the MAC Championship game. We talked to Steve about all that, players to look for. And then uh, on the Kentucky side of things, I talked with my colleague, John Hale, who covers UK football for the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. We talked about the uh, suspensions or non-suspensions of Chris Rodriguez and Jordan Wright going into the opener. Uh, We also talked about things that uh, both of us are going to look for, what we want to see on Saturday under the lights there at Kroger Field. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. First, we got Steve Baker, the voice of the Miami Red Ox, to talk about Miami. And then after that, you'll hear John Hale of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Steve Baker, who is the play-by-play man on the Miami of Ohio Football Radio Network. Uh, Steve was telling me this is his 35th year, so he yeah. is the guy to talk to about the Red Hawks. Thanks <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast, uh, Kentucky and Miami. Kick it off on Saturday night at Kroger Field. Uh, I know Miami, uh, a lot of people are picking them to win their division and make it to the MAC championship game. What what, what are the expectations for the Red Hawks this season? I think that's always the expectation, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, try <laughs> that's and the get goal. To the championship game and. Uh, <laughs> You know, do what you can there and make it to a bowl game. I mean, that's that's always the expectation for Chuck Martin is to win a MAC championship and go on from there. But uh, you know, this is a team that uh, kind of in transition in some points. But I think the offense is uh, you know got enough weapons to score some points, and we'll see if the young defense can uh, come along as we get into the MAC schedule and make that happen. 
Yeah, you mentioned Chuck Martin in his ninth year at Miami. What, what's been the secret to his longevity there? What, how's he been able to be successful there for, for a you know, good period of time? He does the right things. I mean, bottom line, he does the right things. He came in and, you know, coming from Notre Dame, which is a great academic institution, obviously with great football, uh, he brought all of those values here. Uh, Miami is a great academic institution. And, you know, you just have to recruit guys that want to do both, if you know what I mean. I mean right. They have to be able to, you know, realize that, hey, we're going to try and get you to the NFL or wherever you want to be after this, but you're going to get a great degree in the process that's going to give you a great life ahead of this. And sometimes finding guys that are willing to do both is not the easiest thing in the world. Right. But, I mean, he has uh, done that and has, has done a great job of recruiting high school kids, for the most part, that, that realize that dream and make it happen. You mentioned about the offense. Uh, it starts with quarterback Brett Gabbert. The Kentucky coaches have been very complimentary of Gabbert. Uh, we were talking with Brad White uh, yesterday, uh, UK's defensive coordinator. The first thing he said about Gabbert was ball placement. He's really impressed with the way he can really put the ball on the money. Well, what have you seen from uh, from the Miami quarterback? I know last year, 26 touchdowns, six interceptions. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, he does a great job with it. I mean, and is smart with the football. I mean, and that's that's a big key, obviously, for any quarterback. He's not going to put it in harm's way for the most part. And, you know, having receivers that can go get it is a big help. Jack Sorensen was a big part of that last year. But you guys that make contested catches and, you know, that sort of thing are always a big help. Uh, probably, you know, from a play-by-play guy's perspective, runs it a little bit more than I want him to. <laughs> but, you know, he, uh, he is just – he he's fearless and you know places the ball where it should be and I, I look for him if he stays healthy to have just a great season and obviously he's got the pedigree his brother Blaine and NFL oh, yeah. quarterback uh, that I'm sure helps as well who are some other guys on the Miami offense that Kentucky fans should look for on Saturday I, I tell you what number one if we can run the ball that's great I mean because we have the deepest running core that I've ever seen on a Miami football team. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, Jalen Bester and Tyree Shelton have been out for about a year, maybe a year and a half uh, with COVID and with knee. And actually both of them had Achilles uh, injuries. They are back and running the ball as good as I've ever seen them run. So while they were out, Chuck Martin built a lot of depth in that running back room. So you'll see Kevin Davis, Keon Mosey, uh, and about maybe two or three other guys out there that will line up not only in the backfield, but line up in the slot. Some will line up wide. We may have two or three running backs in the two deep out there at one time on a play. Uh, they are just uh, both of them running the ball really well, both uh, Tyree and Jalen running the ball really well. Plus, on you know, we lose Jack Sorensen who had been just incredible for us. But you have Jalen Walker back and Mac Hippenhammer back that uh, both of those guys can go get the ball. Nate Mersh is listed as a tight end. Uh, he'll line up wide at times. And uh, if you check his touchdown-to-catch ratio, it's outrageous. <laughs> I mean, really? this is a guy that will go make those contested catches. and. Uh, He's outrageous. Jack Coldiron's another great tight end. He'll get the start 
at tight end. So I really like our weapons, our offensive line, in, in just a couple of places is young. But, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. Get out there and line up against the Wildcats and see if you can go out there and score some points. And on the other side of the ball, you mentioned a, a young defense. Uh, uh, what about the Miami defense? And who are some guys who stick out there? Oh, I mean, I'm telling you, the, the defense, you know, when you look at it, you know, from a year ago is totally different. Really? Uh, you know, we have a seventh-year guy back in Ryan McWood at linebacker. He's kind of the quarterback of the defense. Uh, and, you know, just happy to have him back and healthy and, and ready to go. But, you know, for four years, we've had basically the same two defensive ends, actually four defensive ends. And Dom Robinson's an NFL player now. And, you know, you lose Ben Templer at the other end. Basically, we were able to rush and get to the quarterback with four down linemen for the last three, four years. And same thing in the secondary. You've had the same secondary, same safeties, that is, for about three years. The depth is there. A lot of these guys played late last year, got great reps, and looked really good against D1 teams, but still an unproven defense you know, in a lot of ways. So uh, I'm sure Levis is going to be ready and willing and able <laughs> to throw the ball around a little bit against this team. And what about special teams? What's the kicking situation for the Red Hawks? Really like our kicking situation. Graham Nicholson uh, earned a scholarship this year at uh, place kicker. He has been deadly from 52 in and uh, really, really love his leg. And Dom Jobin is our punter and uh, does a nice job of placement inside the 20. Uh, really, really like our special teams. So, so Steve, what, what are the keys for Miami? Or if one or two things in particular you think they have to do well uh, Saturday night to uh, to pull off the upset or at least take Kentucky down to the wire? Uh, I know Miami I played in what, a lot of close games last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we played in a lot of one-score games. And, yeah, number one is stay healthy. I mean, uh, let's be honest. It's the MAC against the SEC in a really good SEC school. Uh, so you got to stay healthy. I mean, you look at the two deep for Kentucky and both their offensive and defensive lines block out the sun. I mean, they're, they're just huge and massive and everything else, but uh, you, you just really have to stay healthy and, you know, take care of the football. I mean, we can't turn the ball over at all. Uh, you know, it's, I've seen enough of these games. I mean, you know, I was, I was there in 86 when we beat LSU and they were eighth ranked in the country. Wow. You have to take care of the football. You have to force turnovers. You have to, you have to make Kentucky make some mistakes. And, you know, number one, you know, you got to find out if your defense can hold Will Levis in that offense. I mean, that's, that's going to be the biggest key to the game is, uh, if, if we score points, that's great. But, you know, if Levis throws a 80 yard touchdown pass and, you know, they're in the end zone two plays later, it's all over. So, you know, you, you just really have to take care of the ball, stay healthy, and, uh, you know, hopefully you can make some things happen defensively. Well, Miami, I know, has a great football tradition, the cradle of coaches. Uh, I know Bill Arnsparker, who's from yep. right down the road in Paris, the great defensive coordinator in the NFL, was a Miami of Ohio guy. Uh, Kentucky's played Miami of Ohio several times over the years, and, they've been, and Miami's yep. beaten them a, at least a couple of times. Uh, yep. So looking forward for a great atmosphere and a, a, and a really a competitive game on Saturday. Yeah, I know. I've talked to a lot of our players during fall camp and everything. They're all so excited about being down there. Uh, under the lights on a Saturday night uh, in Kentucky and looking forward to uh, just, you know, getting out there and, and finding out really what they're all about. I mean, you know, that's one of those things you can't coach, you can't teach. 
uh, you know, they're going to find out, especially with a lot of the young guys in a hurry. Are you ready to play division one football? Are you ready to get out there and really do what it takes? Because these guys are, and you've got to do the same thing. Uh, Steve, tell the listeners, especially those up in northern Kentucky and around the Cincinnati area, where they can find the Miami games and where they can get Miami information online. Yeah, absolutely. MiamiRedHawks.com is the source online. Uh, Our game notes, everything's up there and all the information, lots of interviews from fall camp, that sort of thing. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, WDBZ in Cincinnati is a uh, AM station that uh, will give you the game on Saturday. And uh, if, uh, you know, you go up to the Dayton area, Kentucky fans, uh, WONE, and uh, in Hamilton, Ohio, WMOH, and in Richmond, Indiana, uh, WFMG. All those stations will be carrying the game on Saturday, and we'll be on the air at 6 and looking forward to it. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's the time of the year when you're just happy to have – it's great to have games to write and talk about (laughs) after all the preseason talk, no doubt. Uh, Just ready to get out there, and I know Kentucky's the same way. Every team in the country is just ready to go hit somebody. And uh, looking forward to watching a couple of games tonight, as a matter of fact, just to, to get back into the football grind absolutely well steve we really appreciate you being on the podcast thank you very much hey no problem happy to do it okay thanks to steve baker the voice of the miami red Hawks. look forward to the game on saturday when miami comes into kroger field and to talk about the kentucky side of things after the break we'll be talking to john hale of the herald leader and kentucky.com when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast is John Hale, who covers UK football for the Herald Leader at Kentucky.com. How's it going, John? It's good. I'm ready for the first game. Yeah, we're all ready for the first game to have games to write about instead of the uh, talking season and the preseason and so forth. Uh, John, uh, let's start off with um, – uh, the question of the day. We'll get into what we're looking for here in a second. Obviously, this story is Chris Rodriguez uh, not available. Um, even even though Mark said you know he didn't use the word suspension, he did use the word suspension. <laughs> Jordan Wright as well not available. What what sort of impact do you think that's going to have on the game Saturday? I mean, I think it's interesting. It, probably in Saturday's game, it's more impactful on the defensive side without Jordan Wright because the other options at outside linebacker behind J.J. Weaver are all true freshmen and we asked Brad White the defensive coordinator about that on Wednesday and he did not try and sugarcoat it and he basically said those guys aren't ready to play so um, if there's any scenario (laughs) where they need Keaton Wade or Tyree Spearby or Noah Matthews out there on the field for significant snaps that's an issue my gut is 
they basically just play with an extra defensive back. That's how they listed it on the depth chart this week. So there won't be two outside linebackers on the field at the same time. But if J.J. Weber were to get hurt, then you're you're in an interesting situation. Mark did say that he thinks one of the guys who are absent, suspended, whatever you want to call them, is going to be back next week for Florida. The reports were that was Jordan Wright. So uh, theoretically, that will not be a, a situation for long for Kentucky with the depth at that spot. But at running back... I do think they have enough other options to certainly make it through this these three non-conference games in September without much issue. Florida is, is a different scenario, and I'm sure we'll talk about that next week, assuming that Chris is still out. But for now, between Cavassier Smoke and Ramon Jefferson, the Sam Houston transfer, and Jadon McLean and Lavelle Wright, if he's healthy, they should have enough in that room to, to get by MAC teams. Uh, Mark made the comment on Monday that uh, you know we could see multiple players suspended for multiple games. Uh, you could say two is multiple for this first game, but it gave me the impression we're going to maybe hear more in the coming weeks. Uh, what sort of distraction is this whole thing for the team, and do you think that will have any kind of effect on the team? I mean, they've, the running backs in particular have had to answer questions about it, and even Will Levis and you know, the team captain guys who were at SEC media days for a couple months now, and it doesn't seem to have affected them. Uh, the fact that on Monday we found out that both Chris Rodriguez and Jordan Wright were not on the depth chart and not playing this week and supposedly wrapped up in this situation that's going on, and then they were still voted as team captains by their, their <laughs> teammates and the right. coaches still named them team captains suggests that nobody is too concerned about it over there. Uh, next week will be interesting, obviously, with the, uh, the SEC opener, assuming that at least Chris is out. But I do wonder if the multiple players thing, technically you're right, two is multiple, but I, we only know who should be on the depth chart and who isn't there. In terms of guys who we weren't expecting to be in the two deep, we won't ever find out if they didn't play because they just weren't right. good enough to play right now or they right. were injured or there was something else going on. So who knows right. how many of those guys right. are involved. Right. And, you know, I was thinking about this last night, uh, you know, we were talking about it before practice interviews. And I was thinking about it last night. It seems to me there's been a, more than one occasion where someone didn't play in the game and no announcement was made. And then afterwards, or even on Monday, we'll say, you know, we would ask about it and Mark would say, oh, he, you know, he was unavailable or he'll be back this week without any real explanation of what, you know, it's obvious that the per- it was some sort of disciplinary measure. But he did. It was not announced before the game, and not really explained after the game. Am I, uh, is that your memory too? Yeah, I think that's definitely happened several times. I can remember specific players after games saying they were suspended. Yeah, we'll be back or whatever. The interesting part is Mark. For as much as Mark likes to, to remind everybody that he's open with the media and tells everybody everything, he likes to use that depth chart in terms of just you know kind of whatever he wants it to be in a given week. Right. It was interesting, and we talked about, you and I talked about this before practice, that they listed um, Kenneth Horsey as the backup at left guard, even though he's been hurt for the last two weeks. I don't think he's practiced at all leading into this week. He missed both scrimmages and in camp. And they listed Jagger Burton first and him second. And I cannot remember a single time that Mark has listed a guy on the depth chart who was an obvious starter second because he was hurt. Usually they either put an or between two guys at at the starter spot if they're not sure if he's going to play, or they just don't put him on there at all if they know he's out. My guess 
is they put him on the depth chart as the backup, knowing he's probably not going to play this weekend because they wanted to make it clear that he was not one of these guys wrapped up in, in the situation that's leading to suspensions. And so uh, generally, if your name is not on the depth chart, you are not going to play. But just because your name is on the depth chart doesn't guarantee that you're going to play this weekend. So that's all kind of flexible, I think. Right, right. <laughs> it's all very confusing, too. Uh, okay, when we finally get to, you know, they start snapping the ball on the field on Saturday, what, what, what interests you? What are you going to be looking for on Saturday? What do you want to see? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't be the claim to be the expert on Miami of Ohio football, but um, from based on what the defensive coaches were saying Wednesday, they are a team who likes to you know take some shots down the field and throw it deep a little bit. So that should be an interesting kind of opening test for this new look secondary that you know Kentucky's coaches don't appear to be concerned about at all. For all the talk in the spring and summer about that being a position of of worry, they seem pretty confident about that group, and so maybe they'll get tested a little bit early. And then then on offense, it's just. Uh, we want to see if Will Levis is, has made that step forward and if these young receivers are going to be able to to be the playmakers they need them to be. I, I think there are scenarios where having more receivers to throw it to is a better situation than a year ago when you had Wondell Robinson and basically nobody else. But also, it would be really nice to have Wondell Robinson out there. So uh, how the passing game looks without him uh, for the first time since Will Levis has been here, is is he a better quarterback? Is Are these receivers up to the talents? Or are they really going to throw it to the tight ends, you know, 10-plus times a game? Uh, all those things are really interesting to me. And then, basically, what's the, what's the scenario for the game? Is, if it's close, you can't really afford to hold anything back. But if they're comfortably ahead like they were in the opener last year, how much of this are they just going to kind of try and hide and preserve the mystery about the offense for Florida next week? And it, it, it always and it hasn't always been smooth sailing in the openers for uh, Mark Stoops, even when they're playing a team that they're supposed to beat. Uh, do you expect anything like that on Saturday? I mean, it wouldn't shock me if it was, you know, relatively close at halftime and there was some grumbling and people are, you know, not super thrilled with how it was going. And then they pulled away and won by, you know, two or three touchdowns, three, four in the second half. But it, I mean, it did feel like for most of Mark's, certainly the first half of his tenure here, maybe even, you know, leading up to last year, that those, those opening games against non conference opponents, didn't go great. I mean, obviously they lost to Southern Miss one year, and that was a game that actually started off really well. And at halftime, it looked like they were cruising and then blew the lead in the second half. But even the games they won, they had not looked great and they looked rusty. And, you know, some of that's to be expected in an opener. But I will say last year, you know, Will Levis, what, threw for 300 yards in his first game and was great in, in the opener. I, I know that he threw an interception on his first pass. So maybe we thought that was com- that was happening again, but they won very comfortably. So, Maybe just having better players means they've moved past that. But, you know, it wouldn't shock me if, if at halftime there was some grumbling in the stadium. Uh, Mark seemed to indicate on Monday that as many as five, uh, as many as eight, possibly five, five, anywhere from five to eight true freshmen are going to play this year. Uh, at least is that's the feeling going into the first game. Uh, who do you think we could, among those true freshmen, who are we likely to see on Saturday? Well, I mean, wide receiver Barry Ann Brown and Dane Key are both listed as starters, so they're clearly going to play. Brown is also listed as the starting kick returner, which is an interesting 
decision because Mark has generally played those return games so conservatively, especially on kick return to where he's mostly just concerned about not fumbling. So to put a guy who's clearly a big play threat out there, who's capable of breaking one, that's, uh, I'm interested to see how long they stick with that, what they do there. That's, that's fun. Um, elsewhere on offense, I think Keontae Goodwin, uh, he's listed as the second string left tackle, but he's going to play, uh, maybe David Wallaba just takes that job and runs with it. He was named the starter this week, but part of me suspects that they're kind of just hoping to kind of tread water at that spot until Goodwin is good enough to, to just take it over himself. So we'll see how that goes in the first month. Josh Caddis, the freshman tight end, you know, when he, when he came into camp and looked at the roster, he said, there's no way a freshman's going to play a tight end. They've got four other guys ahead of him, but they've talked about him so much in camp and they put him on the depth chart, even though there were five tight ends there. I assume he's going to play too. Um, and then on defense, Alex Safari, the defensive back, uh, is going to play a lot at nickel or that medium position as they're calling it now. Right. Deion Walker, the defensive lineman, who was another one of those breakout stars in camp. I, I had some people tell me they thought he was going to start the opener. He was listed as a backup, but they're going to rotate so heavily on that line. He'll probably end up playing starter level snaps. And then as we talked about earlier, those freshman outside linebackers are probably going to have to play but i think if they had their you know their way with it they would ease those guys along keaton wade was the backup for jj weaver on this step chart because jordan wright was out but also fear and and noah matthews maybe one of those guys emerges and and plays as the season progresses what what do we know about alex safari i mean he's a name since really almost the first day of camp i think the first day of camp uh they've talked about uh, I mean, was he a highly recruited guy? What, what's his story or as much as we know about him? Yeah, he's from Cincinnati, that same area. I think he might have actually gone to the same high school as uh, as Mike Edwards. I'm not 100% sure about that. But he was a four-star guy in this class. But they had so many of those guys that were four stars. I think he kind of flew under the radar a little bit. You, uh, He wasn't an early enrollee, so he wasn't that group who was here in spring to, to talk about a lot. And we knew they needed help in the secondary, but he just didn't really know who it was from. And it actually felt like Kobe Albert, who's a freshman, was the defensive back they were most excited about on signing day because they, you know, kind of held off a late charge from some of those SEC schools in the Deep South to keep him. And John Summerall was so important in signing him. So I kind of thought he was going to be the freshman who played. And then the first day at camp on media day, Mark Stoops basically said, Alex Savari's got to play. And he's big, he's long. Uh, they want him, Mark wants him to play corner long term, but he's going to play nickel right now, uh, which is a spot they obviously need some help because of Vito Tisdale's injury. One one area that I'm I'm going to be interested to see on Saturday is that offensive line. Uh, you know, I think you know we've talked about it. They lost three guys, uh, very prominent guys last year: Luke Fortner, uh, Darian Kennard, and Dare Rosenthal. You know, they say Jeremy Flax is the nailed down the right tackle position, but you mentioned about David Wollaball at the left tackle spot, uh, unproven, a freshman behind him and Keontae Goodwin. You got Eli Cox playing a new position now, playing center. Jagger Burton, who was listed ahead of Kenneth Horsey because, as Mark said, Horsey has been hurt, but they've raved about the way uh, Jagger Burton, local kid from Frederick Douglass, how he uh, played during camp. Um I'm going to be interested to see about this offensive line. How do you think it'll fare? I mean, it feels like they're very confident in Eli Cox at center. And, you know, the way that Luke Fortner made that same move from right guard to center a year ago, you, I think that one's probably okay. Um, Tayshawn Manning, the transfer from Auburn, is going to be the right guard. 
he wasn't a full-time starter at Auburn and, you know, Auburn was not known as having the best offensive line, but, you know, I had not heard anything but positive reviews about him since he got to Kentucky in the spring. There was some talk in the spring he might be their best offensive lineman. So those two spots feel good. The, I thought left guard, the three interior were all, were all settled, but Horsey's injury, you know, adds some confusion there. I'm interested to know, I mean, it's this whole talk of outside zone versus inside zone running and, and the blocking schemes for that. That's something that Liam Cohen wanted to do a year ago when he got here. And I think he basically just figured out that the offensive linemen were more comfortable with the inside zone because that's what they had done before. The offensive line coach, uh, Eric Wolford, was more comfortable with that because that's what he knew. And so they just kind of scrapped that plan. Well, when Zach Ginzer and Rich Scangarello both came from the 49ers this spring, they've been adamant since day one. We're doing the outside zone no matter what. That's right. what this offense is built on. We're going to do it. And so I could see some some scenarios early in the season where there's some growing pains there as they adapt to this new kind of scheme, especially with so many new faces. I'm, I think they'll be fine long-term. I think they just have enough talent there that it's going to work out, but I'm not convinced that it's going to be, you know, this strength that we associate with Kentucky the last four or five years immediately off the bat, especially because um, what we've heard from Zach Yenzer a few times in campus, they need to get better at pass protection. And if, um, if Will Loves is going to throw it as much as we think he's going to or he's capable of, that, that could be a problem. Yeah, I mean, if I'm, I'm Will Levis going into a season, going into this year with a lot, you know, a lot of hype coming off last year, a lot of people talking about my how high I could go in the NFL draft next year, but I've got a left tackle who's supposed to be protecting my blind side who's never really played before, and a guy behind him is a true freshman, <laughs> and the guy that people thought was going to be the left tackle, DeAndre Buford, coming into camp, switched him over to the right side, which makes you think he just couldn't handle. Uh, he's much more comfortable on the right side. You know, to me, that's a that's a big question mark. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, especially if, if Jeremy Flax is the tackle you feel good about. And a year ago, he was the guy at, at the end of spring. Everybody said, oh, he's locked down a job. And then they recruited over him and he barely played last season. So, right. like, what exactly is going on there? If he's if he's the one you feel best about, that's that's got to be a point of concern going into it. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, anything else about uh, Saturday that you're looking forward to or you'll be particularly interested in or fans should look for? I mean, I'm interested to see the crowd, like how big it is. It, it seems like they don't have that many tickets available. They've sold their most season tickets since 2015. I think there was only like 100 full season ticket packages left as of Tuesday. There's some question. The, the, the forecast is starting to look a little sketchy on Saturday. And hopefully the rain's in the morning and not in the evening. But um, you know, there's so much hype this summer. And we know that I think they'll sell out most of their SEC games. But this first month of the season with these three non-conference games at home, I'm interested to see just how many people show up. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, like you say, like I, said, I wrote a comment, I have more people ask me about football this summer than they did about basketball. Of course, basketball was coming off a loss to St. Peter's. <laughs> and football's first. Basketball doesn't start. If you take a, if you don't count the Bahamas, uh, the four games of the Bahamas basketball doesn't really start until November. Uh, but still, they have a lot of hype for this uh, football season. I know uh, I'm looking forward to as I know, uh, John also is looking forward to having some games to write about instead of all the preseason speculation stuff uh, we've written. Uh, John, remind the uh, listeners how they can follow you uh, on Twitter and online for your game for your coverage leading up to, during, and after the game. 
Yeah, it's John Hale, J-O-N-H-A-L-E underscore H-L on Twitter, and all our coverage will be at uh, KentuckySports.com. Be sure to check out all of John's work. He's got a story up now about what the U.K. players thought of Will Levis when he first arrived. Some interesting takes there, uh, also about the season schedule and about the tickets as well. So check out all of John's coverage. And, John, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast and our first preview for Kentucky football heading into the game on Saturday. A reminder, it is a 7 o'clock start at Kroger Field. You can see the game. It's being streamed on SEC Network Plus and ESPN Plus. You can follow along on our coverage of the Arrow Leader. I'll have my live blog with the live dedicated Twitter feed. Uh, so you can follow along with the action as well. After the game, you can find my takeaways uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, John Clay IV. You can follow uh, John Hale on Twitter, John Hale HL. You can follow Mark Story at Mark C Story. We'll all be tweeting during the game, so be sure and check that out as well. Remember, you can find the podcast, the John Clay Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. That just helps uh, get the word out about the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Uh, Check out Kentucky.com. Go to that subscriptions tabs and check out all the subscriptions for digital subscriptions to Kentucky.com or print subscriptions to the Lexington Herald Leader, the print edition of the Herald Leader as well. Uh, Again, my thanks to Steve Baker, the voice of the Miami Redhawks, for his scouting report on Miami. And my thanks, as always, to John Hale of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com on the Wildcats. And thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll we'll talk to you next time on the John Clay Podcast.